Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of podcasts. Woohoo! Today's topic is a bit of an interjection. <laughs> uh, it is where we say to you, please don't use plants. No. Don't do it. Don't do it. You don't you don't use your friends, right? Let's not use plants. Hmm. Let's do something else. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can ponder that for a moment. That's today's topic. <laughs> just a little bit of housekeeping first. Uh, remember, everyone, we're not just podcasters. We're also teachers. And the best way to support this podcast is by enrolling in our very excellent online herbal courses. Is that what that says? Yes. I did. I added that <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> <clears throat> our very excellent online herbal courses, indeed. Uh, you can find all of our online herbalism courses and programs at online.commonwealthherbs.com. We started this podcast as a way to be of service, be in service to our community, the broader community that extends all around the world, um, and to provide high quality herbal education and also fun things to think about um, for free and make that available to anyone at all um, in a totally free kind of way. And so if you think that's cool and you want to support it, um, then the best way is to support it by getting more herbal goodness. <laughs> and uh, you can do that at online.commonwealthherbs.com. That's the place. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's also do our reclaimer. That's where we remind you that we are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States. So these discussions are for educational purposes only. We want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard. It's influenced by your individual needs, experiences, and goals. So keep in mind that we're not attempting to present a single dogmatic right way that you should adhere to. Everyone's body is different. So the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some good new information to think about and some ideas to research further. Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. This doesn't mean you're alone on the journey, and it doesn't mean that you're to blame for your current state of health, thank you, but it does mean that the final decision when you're considering any course of action, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, is always your choice to make. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, today um, we want to talk about one of my favorite topics. Um, it does which, come up. It does come up. It does come up quite a lot, <laughs> which is the exploitive nature that we as humans, and specifically here I am referring to industrialized capitalist humans, have with regard to nature, and um, in this case, with regard to plants. To the plants of the nature, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now listen, look. I want to get this out of the way first, all right? <laughs> nothing that we're about to say, nothing that we're going to talk about here is intended to make you feel bad or called out or anything. This is a place where we as a community need to remake our relationship with the world around us and with each other. And that remaking work is hard, right? Uh, it starts by recognizing that the things that need to change, and we can all recognize them together. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we're trying to do here. Yes, we can just be a group of people um, pushing ourselves to do better and pushing ourselves to imagine a world that we want and then to create it. So now that we have that settled, um, I want to talk about using plants because in the English language, um, that is 
the verb that is most commonly applied to the situation. It's a pretty standard phrase, you know? And it, it, what does it sound like? It's like, oh, well, what do you use chamomile for? Yeah. Or it's a, an herbalist talking to another herbalist. What, what do you use red root for? Mm-hmm. What do you use cinchona bark for? What do you use the nettle seed for specifically, and how do you use it differently than nettle root? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Occasionally you might hear maybe somebody say, what are the benefits of... Um, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how, usually it how can is... I, how can I use that herb? What herb do you use for this health problem? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's everywhere. Okay. But when we say that we use plants, it implies that they are for our use and that we have some kind of right to them, that they're just resources for us to take. And that is absolutely not true. They are living beings playing critical roles in the larger body of this earth, just like we do. Um, And they are living beings who have a life with a plan and preferences and like goals, just like we do. In fact, they share some ridiculous thing like 93 or 95% of our (laughs) DNA. Like we're just not that different, actually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you sort of step back and think of... Think of your existence as uh, as an organism moving through the world, interacting with other organisms. It's a plant doing the same thing, basically, right? And you can you can kind of step back a, in a, another step or another type of um, type of perspective shift, and you can say, are there really any resources that are out there? And really, the whole point of the world or the point of the universe at large was for us to be here and for us to go and take that stuff and do stuff with it. Uh, no, I don't know. No, I don't know. I mean, that is a that is a mythology that yeah. gets handed down in many, um, in many places. But the point is that it's not the only way that we need to relate to the world around us, and that there are a lot of other options. In fact, yeah, um, and and but that like, there that and what we're trying to say is that there are issues associated with this perspective and the, the way that it's it's manifested. Right. So, if you look out and and you say there's things out there, nature provides. Uh, I'm here to take them. <laughs> yeah. Right. That that leads to behaviors that we can now recognize are having problems, serious problematic influence on not just an individual, like part of the world or a field or a tree, you know, like the giving tree, for instance, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, uh, a, a, a town or whatever, but like the entire world is yeah. feeling the effects of this places that, you know, as, as distant as you can imagine. Right. I want to think about this in terms of sand for just one moment. Because um, sand is definitely not something that most people would think about as being alive or being like a thing with agency or being. Weren't there, weren't like, there news articles a few years back about how we're we're running out of sand? We're running out of sand because, is where I'm getting because we're we're using the sand and now we're using up the sand. Yeah, and we are in fact running out of sand. Sand is actually becoming really expensive. Um, and it, it, so this is what I mean when, when thinking about like what happens when we think about the natural world as a resource, if it is a resource, then it's fine for me to take it. And if I've got a bulldozer or a front end loader or a dump truck, um, then it's okay for me to take that sand and go do something with it. Even if I do something cool with it, uh, you know, like even if I sand roads so that people don't get into car accidents with it, like I'm not saying that there's something inherently bad with, with taking sand necessarily, but the world is not a resource Mm -hmm. that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we don't 
build things together and and whatever else. And I mean, if you ask, it doesn't mean that we don't consume. It doesn't mean that we don't kill. It doesn't mean right. It doesn't mean that we try to stand apart in that way either. Right. right? Like right, these right. are two different ways that people kind of separate themselves from the world at large or from nature with a capital N or, you know, uh, other other kinds of distancing work like that, both yeah. in the sense of things there to be used and then also in this other sense. Yeah. Yeah. I want to sort of think of the opposite example of, of beavers, hmm. that beavers are, um, I mean, I suppose if you ask a beaver, they might think of a tree as a resource, I suppose, like whatever they are taking the lives of trees and they are eating them and they are building uh, dams with them. But then um, there's this amazing book called eager beaver. Yeah. And it is about the um, absolute necessity of beavers uh, in terms of water maintenance. Like they are doing critical work and it's part of why there are so many droughts in the West because all the beavers were removed. Healthy streams, healthy waterways. Yeah. Right. And so everybody, everybody who lives there, all the plants that grow there. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I want to maybe promote the concept of beavers as the reality that we're, we're living creatures. We must consume things. We can't, we can't not eat, we can't not drink, we can't not breathe, obviously, and we're not, that's, that wouldn't be appropriate. Um, but we can do this in a mindful way, we can think about our impact, um, and... Yeah, nothing that we're saying here should be construed to mean, like, never, never make tea, like, obviously, that's not what we're talking we're, we're about. We're drinking tea right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but it's this idea, it's, it's the framework, and it's that particular verb, and the the way that we use the word use. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. The way that we just uh, build our awareness of our relationship with our surroundings, our relationship with the living earth that, that we are a part of and, and to make sure that our consumption is appropriate. You know, our consumption is, is not harming other things. Yeah. More we, than it you know, needs. We have, more than it needs to. We have some degree of, of, of self-awareness, uh, and as a result, we have a responsibility <laughs> to be aware of ourselves and our surroundings. Yeah, it's. So, I mean, it, listen, this is complicated stuff. Yeah. Um, but we can think of it, we can start thinking about these complicated things around this one word. Right. We can think about use. And when we just think about the word use... And, and now it turns into a resource and now it's kind of a clean your plate situation. Like if something is available for my use, then probably I'm going to use it up hmm. and then we're going to be running out of sand. It does seem to lead that way when yeah. we get humans involved. You know, like really you think you're, you think to yourself and you, the example human here, right? You think to yourself, ah, I'm just a person. I'm going out foraging in my, my lovely fantasy of whatever, but <clears throat> But what I need to be doing is thinking about the reality of the impact of all of us, right? Not not one at a time. All yeah. of us humans on the plant populations. And it's it's intense, right? You want to prepare your mind for this moment of <laughs> contemplation. Because it's not just whatever you picked today or this summer. It's what land has been developed and what land has been covered in herbicides and the way that changes in climate are impacting the lands. And all of the things that are going to impact the health of an individual plant or, or a plant population at large. And, you know, before we get too far on this thought, um, I want to tie it back to 
like, this does not mean you can't go out and forage in your lovely fantasy of, you know, peace and happiness. You, you can, you absolutely can. But it is about the mindful doing of that. And sometimes the mindful doing of that means collecting a few seeds, bringing them back to, uh, you know, land that you steward or a bucket on your porch, and then growing your own stash of of that plant and right. also maybe stewarding <clears throat> the area where you yeah. got the seeds from. So this is not in any way about not drinking tea, not so, having herbs. It's right. about doing it in a non-exploitive relationship way. Right. And also thinking beyond the individual, right? In the same way as recycling, right? Recycling is good. Individuals should recycle. I throw the bottle into the bin. I do the thing. Yes. But it's more important for us to get, you know, uh, agreements and regulations and so on that impose this kind of act on larger organizations and companies and states and militaries and things like this. Because mm. that's the scale at which this is going to matter the most. So we think about the impact of commercial exploitation of plant populations, right? Yeah. It's not just you out there foraging. This is, this is a huge industry. We sort of want to say this is becoming a huge industry, but I think that's just an artifact of that every single year there's an enormous increase in sales numbers and other things like that and shelf occupied by herbal products and whatever. But this is the fact is this has been a huge industry for at least two decades now. And it's been yeah. ramping up the entire time. Yeah. Okay. And like, <laughs> if you, if you just think about how many more people are interested in herbalism and then foraging in general these days, like it's exponential y'all. When I first got into this, I knew all the herbalists, like, I knew them. I, I, I don't know. I, there weren't a lot of herbalists. And, okay, there's probably somebody in Montana that I didn't know. But, like, I, I knew all the herbalists. And and that was only 25 years ago. Like, I, we're growing is what I'm trying to say. We are growing. <laughs> a, we're growing a, a lot. There's a big, there's a big uh, explosion, right? Yeah. And it's, it's up to us, you know, again, on the individual level to think about who we're buying from to make sure that we're not buying stuff that is exploitive in nature uh, to the extent that we can do that and then to demand better of companies that we do buy from right mm -hmm. think about think about seaweed that's getting over harvested and you know as is uh, in line with the promotion of seaweed as a new health food or mm -hmm. you know a rediscovered health food or however people are doing that you know <laughs> obviously seaweed is fantastic and it is a health food but uh, there's over harvesting that's going on right and and it's happening in a in a particularly annoying way yeah, so there are actually guidelines to protect seaweed populations. And in recent years, there are even like seaweed agriculture projects that are happening that would like take pressure off wild populations. But things like, you know, in a given area of ocean, you can harvest this much of this percentage, you know, of the amount of seaweed, the amount of kelp that's there, the amount of bladder wrack that's there in this area right. know, per year. Right. Some kind of cap, essentially. Yeah. And those are put in place specifically so that populations remain large enough to grow back and to recover from what was harvested every year. The idea is sustainability. Great. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. But there are loopholes. Yeah. Um, even though there are these guidelines, there's one um, particularly egregious company that that we know of. It's for sale in grocery stores around here, and it's found its ways around these guidelines by using private contractors and then switching the contractors every year so that any one of them can report that they followed the guidelines, but collectively they are absolutely not following the guidelines. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so then the company that contracted each of these individual harvesters is not being held responsible. Uh, so that is a way that they are like meeting the letter of the law. This is a loophole you can steam a barge through. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like, listen, this is an example that we happen to know because we know people in the industry and we know like personally that, that these things are going on. But what we want to point out is that this is happening across the wild plant industry. This is not just affecting seaweed. This is affecting many, 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 many wild harvested plants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe all of them. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, including popular ones like the cohoshes and the seals. And Ginseng. <laughs> and the sangs. And, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. the sangs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, actually, for some, for some recent updates on these topics, um, in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to a recorded webinar from the Sustainable Herbs Program. And this is highlighting a recent report called Wild Check. This report was put out by the UN Food and Agriculture Organization, or the FAO, uh, and also the wildlife trade organization called Traffic, and the Species Survival Commission of the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, the IUCN. So there's a lot of acronyms there. I just kind of <laughs> wanted to expand them because I think that when you hear the, the words in the acronym, you're like, oh, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Right. IUCN, great. Union for Conservation of Nature. Aha, now I get it. <laughs> but the, yeah. key, the key takeaway from their report was that, first off, habitat destruction is the primary threat to wild plants, okay? And that over-harvesting is another major factor. The two of these are, they're the big ones, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but it's really worth reading. There's a lot of detail in there. They highlight some specific plants um, that are both fairly common uh, in commerce, fairly popular in the United States for sure, uh, but also have a lot of ecological issues with them. Um, and this is again about wild harvested plants in particular. Um, but you can sign up for some newsletters and some, some other projects and things at the Sustainable Herbs Program website. It's a really great one to, to poke all around after you uh, read this report. And then also, there's a couple of other organizations I want to highlight for you. One is called Fair Wild. Um, they're working to, or they, they have a certification standard uh, for people who do want to trade in wild harvested plants, but want to um, be, be certified uh, as doing it you know, sustainably and responsibly and effectively. They want to submit themselves <clears throat> to oversight. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. which is excellent. Yeah. And so Farewell, Farewell does that, and you can view their entire standard. Like, it's not going to be a black box, you know, like some stamp that's on a thing and you have no idea what it means. They're like, this is everything that we're checking. These are all the criteria we care about. This is how mm. we score them and whatever. This is what people need to achieve if they want to get this stamp, you know. Mm. So it's good to look into things like that. Um, but this is a really um, quality standard for, for wild harvested plants in, in uh, commerce, including herbs and supplements and yeah. all that kind of stuff, too. Um, and then the other one I'm going to link you to is United Plant Savers. Uh, so that's a fantastic organization doing uh, work to improve sustainability uh, in a number of ways, including, you know, encouraging people to have, uh, like, declare land sanctuary uh, and to intentionally cultivate some at-risk plants and things like that. So a lot of good work from them. Yeah. So what this really comes down to is that you personally have to know where your plants are coming from, have to know how they got to you, 
And was there exploitation to get that plant to you? So not just of the plant population, but also of the human population, right? So like, was it grown with slave labor or child labor? Cacao. <laughs> yeah, bananas, cho- bananas. Bananas, yeah, yeah bananas, bad, chocolate. Like, yeah, oh my goodness. Um, but herbs too. And so that, and also is the sale of it damaging local communities who are dependent on those plants? Mm. And even, and I'm thinking here of like quinoa and maca. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and you know, there are these nuts, peely nuts. Peely nuts. And they come from like one volcanic area. And we had once, we had like two ounces of them and they were so delicious. They were really good. We've know? never had any since because I was like, oh my goodness, these come from such a tiny location. They can't, I, I my my lifetime supply is probably this entire two ounces. <laughs> and now I see them, they're making peely nut milk and it's like every, and I was like, what, how is there possibly enough peely nuts for this? Yeah. So I have to look into it and see, maybe they started like cultivating farming, somewhere else, cultivating you know? them, yeah. but hope. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway. But, but it's something to check into. And this is kind of what we're, what we're advocating for is to find out. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah Especially for the things that you eat the most or that you enjoy the most or particular you know, herbs from far away that you just really can't come to love somehow. Mm-hmm. Try to maintain right relationship, even if it's something from across the world. Right. Um, so even in situations where there isn't like damage to local communities directly, like because their food source is being sold out from under them or whatever, we still need to know, is the local community receiving a fair wage for the product and usually that's not happening usually it's the marketing company that is receiving all of the money and the local indigenous community um hardly gets any of the profit and listen that is often true across all types of agriculture Mm -hmm. right i'm thinking about dairy farmers in new england who get like pennies not just pennies per gallon of milk, pennies per hundred gallons of milk. And if you think about that, that makes absolutely no sense. Like, how is it possible that they are getting paid pennies per hundred gallons, but I paid, like, I I don't drink milk, so I honestly actually don't know how much milk costs, but I bet it's $5 a gallon. And, you know, okay, so my point is that Farmers are generally not getting compensated fairly for the enormous amount of work that they have to put in to um, to do the work. And when I say the word farmer, farmers, we mean talking about people in the fields. Yes, <laughs> yes, people, people in the fields, not necessarily like sometimes the, the, people... the landlord and the spreadsheet operator. You know, okay, fine, you're doing your thing, but we're talking about the people in the yes, field. the people in the fields. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So anyway, the point here is that we need to make sure um, that that everything is on the level, that what we are getting to help make ourselves healthy is not causing harm somewhere else. Mm. And often the answer to that question is not good. It's not what you'd hope it to be. Yeah, but that's not necessary. The answers could be good, and we can demand that they are. Yeah. 
and when they are, when we find some some co-op, you know, some organization, some company, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. type of group of humans working together it is, but if mm-hmm. they're doing it right, if they're doing good in the world, yeah, right, locally, globally, everywhere in between, that's great, and then we can feel happy about that, and we can share them with others, you know, like, this, this doesn't all have to be negative, right? Right. <laughs> like, well, we can be excited about the ones who are really doing a good job, and setting an example, and raising the bar, and yeah. Yeah, this is why I get excited about Mountain Rose. That's an example of a of a large company that is really trying to do things right and to be responsive to mm-hmm. um, issues when they come up. I can think about small companies like here locally. We have Foster Farm Botanicals mm-hmm. who produces a lot of herbs actually they sell a bunch of herbs to mountain rose but they also sell here locally yeah it's also places like the one we get the zatar from yes uh land of canaan um Mm. it's a palestinian co-op and they're specifically working um for to create fair paying jobs for palestinians on palestinian land um and that's pretty amazing because zatar is like such an integral part of palestinian cuisine and and here also making sure that these people have like fair work to do and so that's wicked cool anyway so even even that is international right that's not local at all and yet that trade is is supporting really excellent things yeah so you know we're thinking we're thinking about this and about the the effort you know to find this stuff out to to analyze a new company when you're considering buying their project product mm-hmm. or whatever right mm-hmm. and there's a parallel because you know it, it quote used to be like in some mythological pasts that you had to spend a long time finding the plants that you needed to harvest and then also tending to them and stewarding the wild populations and that might mean protecting them in various ways you know are supporting them and the point here is this hasn't really changed right mm. just because you can easily buy something online doesn't mean that you don't have any responsibility to take some time and find out if it's a sustainable product mm. if the company's doing the right kind of thing by and large sustainability isn't really regulated you know and in a system without regulations to make it happen that work falls on us you know personally and us collectively as the ones who are purchasing these things Right. I keep trying to go from you statements to us statements <laughs> here. <laughs> right. As uh, us, as as groups of herbalists, as organizations, as communities. Uh, like, but you isn't wrong. You personally, you listener personally, and also me personally, and also Rin personally. Mm-hmm. Um, each of us personally has this responsibility, and then all of us collectively as the herbal community has this responsibility yeah these two things run hand in hand you know and so this is why we get you know a little fanatic or well you know we regularly stop our q a sessions to be like okay i'm gonna answer your question but i'm gonna rephrase it first because you used the word use in there and (laughs) um and so this is why we're that way about it right shifting that one word in our speech and it is let's say pretty difficult to do it it's really hard and feel free to hunt through our podcast archive and catch all of the times that we said i use this herb for whatever and then, <laughs> and then didn't stop afterward okay yeah you know but it's difficult to do but it's worth doing because shifting that shifts our entire relationship with the plants that we're talking about mm-hmm. when we work to stop saying use it's constantly building this awareness about how casually we exploit plants as resources Mm -hmm. and the work of changing that vocabulary keeps it present in your mind to work on that relationship. Yeah. It's not like if you ever say use 
that, oh, well, I can see by your language that you're exploiting your community. No, it, that, that it is. You, a... you can tell because of the way people tend to react when we start to like do this, the, the, the shorter <laughs> versions of this, of this episode, right? And we just say a few things like, oh, we try not to phrase it that way. I like to say I work with the plant. So it's not just like a thing that I'm taking, you know, mm-hmm. but collaborating with this life. And then people are like, oh, wow, yeah. And they, they sort of like catch it immediately, most of the time. Yeah. You know? But the thing is that, yeah. it, it listen, it is a verb in our language. Yeah. And it comes out because y- you've been saying it all your life, right? It's just a, a verb in our language. And, I mean, it, you use a screwdriver. Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, but... But we choose this particular word simply because it is common and it's something that it is a tool that we can use to build this awareness. Uh, oops, I just did it. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about language as tool and language use yeah. use, and, and so on as we chat here. It is a <clears throat> meditation. It is an active meditation that we can do <laughs> to, to help us shift awareness so it is not like a thing to feel guilty about it's not a thing to call people out on it is a thing to help you build more and more awareness about the relationship that we are consciously building intentionally building with the plants who we work with and yeah. all of the plants in our communities. Right. Yeah. That, that like inner work or that inner shift is, is the, the important part here. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you could do that inner work and still have the word use in your vocabulary. Sure. Yeah, it totally. would be fine. Right. So whatever, whatever gets you to this awareness is cool. Yeah. Um, but for me, this, this works very well. Yeah. And by the way, this is also a great habit to develop if you're interested in doing clinical herbalism or selling herbal products or really any kind of public-facing herbalist work for a bunch of reasons. So one is that it's going to break you out of or help break you out of um, this is used for that phrasing or framing of your of your idea. So what does that sound like? Oh, uh, this herb is used for headache, whereas that herb is used for menstrual cramps, right? That'd be one way to put it. If we can break out of that and change our verbs around a little bit, we might instead say this herb is really effective at improving blood flow to the to the head, and so for a for a deficiency type headache, it can be really helpful. Or, it doesn't get us locked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, it's like it's the difference between this herb is used for X versus this herb does Y. It's. It also, you know while you're thinking about your next thing there, it, herbs don't work on medical diagnoses. Medical diagnoses are shorthand. They are um, kind of like acronyms. I mean, they're not actually acronyms. Well, sometimes they are like PCOS, but um, they are a shorthand way for uh, doctors and other medical professionals to communicate without having to list out 10 million symptoms every time that they're talking about a specific sort of situation. Instead, they gather up all of the most common symptoms. They give it one word or maybe two words to to fill in, to like be the container for that whole group of symptoms. Mm-hmm. But, and, and that's reasonable. That's logical, right? Otherwise, you'd just be restating things over and over and over again. Yeah. And it would be an in, inefficient way to communicate. But the thing is that not every person experiences a particular 
diagnosis in the same way. Each person has a slightly different collection of symptoms and a slightly different expression of PCOS or migraines or whatever it happens to be. And so when we say, well, you can use ashwagandha for PCOS, mm-hmm. well, can I? Like, there's a lot of ways for, for a person to have PCOS. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's it gets you into a whole bunch of traps too because if you if you keep trying to just say well the herb is we use this herb for PCOS and it's like well does that mean it's some sort of anti PCOS herb and what would that mean and like what's the action that we're talking about here like you can't you you get pretty stuck and and the the capacity to actually be helpful and effective is is limited. That's uh, like what happened to lemon balm. Yeah. Right. Because people were like, oh, you can use lemon balm for hyperthyroid. And then people started saying, well, wait a minute. That must mean that if you have hypothyroid, lemon balm will hurt you. Right. And that's not that's not not the case. (laughs) Right. But we got trapped there because of, oh, we use that for hyperthyroid. Right. Yeah. So on a related level, um, changing your language here can also encourage some clarity around things like preparation or dose or other details like that. Um, basically encouraging you to have more detail in your statements than use this herb for that problem, right? Like use lavender for relaxation, use linden for high blood pressure. Okay, cool. Now tell that to somebody who doesn't know anything about herbalism. They've never heard of the difference between infusion and decoction. They don't, they want to, maybe you even said, go get a tincture. And then they go to the store and it says extract on the bottle and now they're stuck, right? This is what we're talking about for a lot of people. So, and it's not unreasonable. I mean, no. a tincture is a weird word to start with, but then is that the same as an extract? Is it not? Honestly, actually, the answer is not. Sometimes it is. It's not you know? uniform. <laughs> yeah. It depends on how they made it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, it's really common though to do that and to just say, "Oh yeah, yeah, you can, uh, you can use sassafras for this liver problem. You can use schizandra for anger. Whatever, <laughs> whatever it is that comes to mind." Uh, but that doesn't really tell you very much, right? Mm. And there could be an enormous um, point of differentiation, right? Like maybe somebody heard you can use nettle for the swollen prostate and they got a capsule of nettle leaf extract. Mm-hmm. Well, they got the plant right, you know, but not the right part of the plants. And it's probably not going to help them in the way that they're hoping for. Mm-hmm. Or as much as, say, a proper, properly made nettle root capsule could have done for that individual, mm-hmm. right? So there's like levels of detail that can get missed when you just say use this herb for that problem. Yeah. Uh, This also helps us to build awareness of other exploitations, right? So we're thinking again of changing our speech as a mechanism of building awareness of our relationship with the larger world. Plants are not the only thing being exploited right now. And the more that you focus on shifting your language in this way, the more that you become aware of other places in our communities where exploitation is happening, whether that is ecological exploitation, like the exploitation of waterways or um, the exploitation of land development um, and, and the pressure that that puts on wild communities, or we could be talking about societal exploitation, and there are no shortage of examples of we that. We can do all three at the same time and call it a golf course. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, golfers. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> that kind of awareness makes you better able to serve your community. And the more that you focus on... on 
changing these relationships first off in your personal life and then you start to make these changes and then people around you start to notice that you're making these changes and it it creates ripples um and you can get really active about them too you can intentionally draw other people in um into making these changes but the key here is that the more that you are focusing on seeing exploitation and changing it the more that you see exploitation and change it (laughs) <laughs> and that is good. We're into it. That is good. Yeah. yeah. So what can we say instead? Let's try a few examples. Uh, how about, I use lavender for headaches. Well, instead we could say, I work with lavender as a relaxant when my neck is tense. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. We could say, how do you use chamomile for cramps? Uh, And instead of just answering, well, you're going to need to make a really strong infusion or a good, strong tincture. And then, (laughs) right, I could just answer. But we could instead say, how do you take chamomile when you have cramps? Or what's the best way to work with chamomile when you have cramps? Mm -hmm. Or in what way should I prepare chamomile so that I Mm. can help somebody who's having cramps? Um, Those are all ways that we could say that. Mm -hmm. And, And also... In what way can I prepare chamomile so that I can help someone who's having cramps? Oh, isn't that actually lovely? (laughs) Yeah, again, it it kind of like forces you to contextualize what you're actually doing to give a little more detail to like seat it in a little closer to reality. Yeah, Yeah. and you're focusing on the help that you're providing in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And how, the person you're providing it to. So. Yeah, no, that totally matters. So excited about it. Absolutely, right? Well, how about how about this one? Um, the Chippewa used Uva Ursi for UTIs. And like because of that, I should? Hmm. Mm. We could say something more like the Anishinaabeg work with Uva Ursi to resolve urinary burning and itching and pain, among many other things. Yeah. <laughs> Or even we learned this tradition from the work that, Mm. yeah. Yeah. And we can also expand this into other words beyond use, other sort of common phrases uh, or things people will say or the way that they'll structure a question. Yeah. So. One of these that's really common is people will say something like, what's calamus good for? Mm. And I would much prefer to say, how can I work with calamus? Or what can calamus do in the body? Or even, what is calamus good at? Like a person, right? And in general, you can say the same words for plants that you would say for humans. Hmm. For example, Rin isn't good for getting the dishes done. And I don't use him to keep the kitchen clean. Because but, but I do I do the dishes though. He does he does do the dishes <laughs> and he does keep the kitchen clean. Um, but that is not his use, mm-hmm. right? If you talk about plants the same way that you talk about people, then you're acknowledging their inherent value as living beings who have a right to exist and not be completely demolished by humans. We're into it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, to uh, bring us to a close here, let's not use plants. And let's not use people either. (laughs) Let's support each other. Uh, And as we've said before, mutual aid and community support are the ways toward the future that we want to see. So I want to urge you again to check out our Herbal Community Care Toolkits uh, online herbalism learning course experience (laughs) extravaganza uh, to learn about some abundant and multi-talented herbs. These are plants that you can find at the grocery store or growing as weeds in your neighborhood. 
We teach you how to prepare them at home to make effective remedies for common health issues, and we do it while staying safe and avoiding herb-drug interactions. And then the idea is that you can take and share these ideas and teach them to your community, teach them how to make them too. Mm -hmm. This course is available um, by donation, and um, so there's three different donation levels, and if none of them are appropriate for you, do not worry. Just shoot us an email, ask us, we'll just pop it into an account for you for free um, or give you a code that will make it free for you. But we want people to have this information um, so that we can all be working with the plants and working with each other to make our communities stronger. Nice. Yeah. All right. Look, we did it. We're, we're a week, a week after our last podcast. Yes. Here we are with this one. Uh, hey, by the way, in case you missed it, to find all those courses online. All right. All right. It's at (laughs) online.commonwealthherbs.com. Yeah, I was supposed to say that, wasn't I? Yeah. Online.commonwealthherbs.com. I said it. (laughs) Or, you know, just follow the link in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, anyway, as you were saying... We did it. We did it. Yeah. Uh, So we hope you've enjoyed this uh, series here, this this three-pod run on some of the effects of climate change. This is definitely going to be a topic we come back to again in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, but for the next few episodes, we've um, we've each picked out a couple of our favorites from our uh, extensive back catalog of the Holistic Herbalism podcast. We're coming up on 200 episodes. It's getting close. While we pack over the next few weeks, um, while we frantically pack over mm-hmm. the next few weeks, um, we actually have, have said we need to kind of brainstorm something really fun and special to do for the 200th episode. Yeah. But yeah, so we're going we're gonna to run some of our favorites uh, for a little while, and then we'll come back with some brand new stuff for you. Yeah, we will be moving, and then we'll be moved, and <laughs> by the time that you're really wanting a nice pumpkin spice item, um, we will be back with all new episodes for you. <laughs> all right, everyone. So until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, drink some tea. Or some pumpkin spice. And uh, quit it, quit it with the using, will ya? <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. Bye bye.